0: for tuning in. This is Heartstock Radio. I am your host, Carol Murphy. As usual, I'd like to remind you that you can reach us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. Daniel Hogan is in the studio. Today, our guest is Carrie Banigan, and she is the executive director of the Fashion Impact Fund. In just a moment, she's going to be with us and tell us all about her story and what she does there at the Fashion Impact Fund. This is Heartstock. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back with Carrie. Made for you and me. As I went walking at ribbon a highway, I saw a broad Welcome back. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and Daniel Hogan is in the studio. Today, our guest is Carrie Bannigan. She's the Executive Director of the Fashion Impact Fund, and she does a lot of other stuff, too, just like many of our guests. Um, Welcome, Carrie, and thank you so much for being on Heartstock. Thank you so much for having me. Indeedy. So, Can you tell us a little bit about what is the Fashion Impact Fund and what it is that you do there as the executive director?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the Fashion Impact Fund is all around how we can support female founders in the fashion industry that are driving sustainable solutions. And the goal of that being with the fashion industry being such a damaging sector, what can we do to make it better so that we can accelerate women's economic empowerment and leadership? But overall, for society, with that, if we can transform the fashion industry, we can make everything better across communities for people and planet.
0: Yes, indeedy. And um, can you help us kind of get to know you, Carrie? Are you from the
1: UK? I am. (laughs) I'm from England and um, I moved to the US uh, 17 years ago um, after graduating university and having the opportunity to come over to the US and so I did and um, I set up in New York City and through that my work has always been very focused as an entrepreneur and how we can use fashion and media to drive change. These are two sectors um, that are so powerful and interesting and very influential. And so my work um, from the age of 23 was around building businesses and organizations that really focused on how, through fashion and media, we could drive sustainable development and how we could do that through the creative sectors. What
0: got you interested in sustainability? And maybe you could share just a little bit about, you know, how and when you realized that. Fashion is such a damaging sector. You said that earlier, and it it definitely caught my attention.
1: Yeah. And so for me, it's uh, it's an ongoing journey with this. And I feel like many people that end up in sustainability will say the same. So sustainability for me it's gone through many terms I feel and what we read in the media and buzz terms and so forth but you know I've been working on economic development and ethical and eco and sustainable opportunities in fashion for over 15 years and but when you say what gets me interested in it is I was very influenced by my family as I was growing up and I come from a town that does not have many economic opportunities at all, especially for women. It was really short on education opportunities and funding to build up the town and really help that. It was very focused as a struggling working class town. So to have opportunities, these were not always there. And that became a first thing for me when I started my first business was economic Opportunities are crucial. That to me was the starting point of building sustainable towns and cities and communities was being able to have equal opportunities for people. And because my interest lay in fashion and creativity, that was where I started it. But sustainable fashion for me is where it sits today that it's all being so trendy to thrift and go to charity shops and wear pre-loved clothing. For me growing up, that was normal. My grandma would take me to the the secondhand and the charity shops. That was just a norm for me. And so to see now where this has come, and let's also be honest, and we can talk about this later too, there was a lot of shame with that several Decades ago. Whereas to where you sit today and it is the norm for youth and they're excited by it and they go to pre-loved shopping together. And so there's many elements for me across the way that I have known about sustainability, whether it was different terms or definitions throughout the journey of my time in existence to where it's become very holistic between my personal and my professional life today. You asked about when did I realize fashion was so damaging. My first business was very focused on producing runway shows during New York Fashion Week for independent fashion designers so that they could get known and be a part of the American fashion market. And I was very focused, as I mentioned, on opportunities for economic empowerment and development. And I thought that was enough. But then when I started scratching the surface and understanding, oh, we need to look further. These brands might be scalable and they might be sellable, but how do they pay their staff? How do they treat their staff? What are the factories like? What are the chemicals that are being used in these products and how are they being disposed? So I started researching much more beyond this economic opportunity of giving someone that time and leverage to get their brand out there and make money and grow their factory and community and brand. I started looking deeper and I feel like many people that are in sustainability, you fall down a rabbit hole. And once you start learning what is going on in the fashion industry, the poor quality of working, the very unfair wages, the terrible environments people are working in, and then all the the pollution and the water waste, the list goes on. So between people and planet, once you start realizing how damaging and harmful The sector is, it's about you've now been educated. How do you action that? And I felt it very much that I was playing an active role in the buy now, see now, turning out these runway shows all the time, making sure media and editors were. and and retailers were covering the brands, purchasing the brands. And I said, you know, this isn't healthy and this is not the way to achieve sustainability for all. And so that's when I really started to change things beyond just focusing on the economic opportunities and realizing that there was so much more to this that had to happen in this extremely powerful and influential sector.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And How long had you been in New York when you started realizing exactly what was going on?
1: So I'd say for me... I had already knew that we needed to change things, especially for me, the focus has always been how can we empower women? And the fashion industry is a sector that is heavily reliant on women um, working in the sector, as well as, you know, really creating adverts and praying and luring on female consumers to feel bad and buy more. So I was always aware of this. I just It probably was about three to four years into when we were running the runway show and the the presentations and, you know, the store opening side of things that I really started to learn about the vast negative social environmental impacts, reading in-depth reports and seeing what that was looking like. And then you mentioned
0: that you came over to the United States from the UK right after you graduated. Can you talk a little bit about your educational experience before you came over? And then what was it like when you did come to the United States?
1: Was it a, a culture shock for you? <laughs> I'm 17 years in and things still get me each week. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> But I actually studied um, English, um, ironic, I know, but it was around, you know, the studies, the writing, um, learning to develop communication skills. Mm. I wasn't sure where I wanted to go specifically. So I didn't just go and study business or marketing or law or anything like that. I, I did this because there were so many skills that could be utilized later on. I knew I always wanted to have my own business, but with my family, um, education was it was not up for discussion. Um, I was the first one going to university out of my family. So it was my way out. My mom used to say to me, education is your passport to a better life. Like you have to go to university. From there, start your own business, do what you want, but you have to. So that's what I chose to do because I also love um, Shakespeare and reading. So I thought that I would get an easier ride if I went and did English. Um, And actually I just fell in love with all the skills and the debating and the writing and the comms, as I'd mentioned, that came with that. And I loved it. And they have been visiting the, um, the US since I was 16. My parents are divorced and my father lives in New York. My mother lives in England. And um, I just loved it. From the moment I arrived in New York City, I just felt for the first time I had found home and that I belonged somewhere. I loved the diversity and the fast pace and all the stories, the buildings. I just, yeah, I was enamored and I knew that this is where I wanted to spend the rest of my life or at least building and playing a role in the the history of New York and what was to come. And for me as well, knowing that fashion had such a big role in New York, I just knew that this was the place that I wanted to spend my time. New York continued to come, and um, just the US in general, with so much culture shock. And I think people assume that immediately that it's negative, but it's not. The thing that really opened my eyes being in the US was opportunity. It was so different for me. I came to the U.S. at 21 years old was when I moved to New York. And the amount of opportunity that was on the table blew my mind. Now, you had to do it all yourself. There wasn't grants and creative funds and things like that that you see in the U.K. But it was like there is the chance people wanted to help you. People were taking you to networking, introducing you and just being like, go, go do it. And I do think if you've got the motivation and the ambition and the ability and the time and being able to carve it out, it comes with so much. But if you're willing to put it in, there is actually that ability to grow and be something that you want to achieve that I actually believe I wasn't able to do in the UK. So when you first came over, um, what did
0: you do? Was that initially being involved with Fashion Week and putting on fashion shows? Was that something that you did as your own company or you were working for somebody else? Kind of walk us so through I your think, timeline, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I moved to the U.S. and I went into a marketing job um, for a corporate and I realized very quickly, I was like, no, I have to get back to my my entrepreneurial plans. This is not for me, corporate America, Um, I think that was a shock more than anything. And uh, I was like, this just isn't for me. Like this is, it felt so trapped. Um, and And I was only young and early into the journey of that. So very quickly, I was like pen to paper. Let me see what can happen here. What is a gap? What needs to go on? One of the first gaps I'd noticed in the fashion sector was how expensive it was for fashion brands to do runway shows during New York Fashion Week. So they were doing shows and friends coffee shops or you know, <laughs> nightclubs out of hours because it was more affordable for them. So I decided my first business that it was to create a platform um, with a co-founder of mine that brands could showcase an affordable rate because we would have sponsors underwrite the costs in the fashion space for these new brands to be seen by media investors and retailers. And so that's what we were doing at prime time during New York Fashion Week so that they could focus on running professional designer businesses and so that was what I did to make that happen I took on a nannying job I was a nanny by day and entrepreneur by night
0: <laughs> we, we all know that. <laughs> <laughs> that that experience of being spread thin and what did yeah. you, what did you do after that did you go directly to the fashion impact fund?
1: So my journey, you know, I'm a, I'm basically a very serial entrepreneur, but I am a, I'm a social entrepreneur. And as I mentioned, I build fashion and media initiatives. So I have built several programs across um, fashion industry, retail, and lifestyle. But for my work through all of that I've always been very focused on working with governments, town leaders, you know the tourism, uh, chambers of commerce and so forth on how you can really use public-private partnerships to advocate for sustainable development and that fashion and lifestyle is a very cool way to do that to get the attention of citizens and consumers. So my journey has, you know, had several shapes to it. And, but now where I sit as the the executive director at the Fashion Impact Fund, that's embodying and embracing many of the programs that I've built over time. One of them being the Conscious Fashion Campaign that I actually built in 2018 with the United Nations Office for Partnerships. And so now the Fashion Impact Fund houses several of my initiatives as our flagship in-house programs, as well as the fund also distributes grants to email founders in the fashion industry very exciting and we're going to take our midway
0: point break and i can't wait to delve into this more deeply and talk in more detail about the fashion impact fund and all that you have going on over there so in just a moment we shall be back with carrie vannegan and this is Hardstock. we'll be right back This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host Carol Murphy, and today our guest is Carrie Banigan. She's the Executive Director of the Fashion Impact Fund. She's speaking with us from New York, and we were just getting ready to kind of delve into all that you do there at the Fashion Impact Fund. Carrie, can you talk a little bit about how it works? Um, it sounds like you have both an educational and an entrepreneurial leg to the Fashion Impact Fund. Is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're very focused on supporting female founders in fashion that are themselves focused on education, media, and workforce development programs. And our whole goal is, is how can we support these women that are leading these initiatives that in turn are accelerating women's economic empowerment and leadership We have three pillars, as I'd mentioned, education, media, and workforce development. And that's for us where we believe that these women-led fashion initiatives are really, really and truly actually reimagining the future with solutions so it can be a fair, inclusive, and regenerative world. Now, the Fashion Impact Fund is kind of split into two parts, where one area is we have our own in-house flagship programs, and on the other part, we actually do grant distribution to um, these women-led programs that I had mentioned in these areas of focus. And you know, our big thing of is, you know, the question is why, why do we do this? And we truly believe that female founders, they're advocating for a new paradigm in the fashion sector. You know, one that is making this fair, equitable, and also resilient and One thing that a lot of people do not know that a lot of the time these agents have changed, they actually represent vulnerable and marginalized populations that are actually very hurt by the practices of the fashion industry today. So we believe to look at this in a circular manner that it's imperative to support their leadership. Because through the solution systems and strategies that they're trailblazing, they are addressing critical issues of our time through that they can then help to support the communities and through that we'll also see better for our planet and humanity and nature. And I just want to share a couple of statistics, if you don't mind, just to kind of bring it into numbers of the fashion industry and what is going on, because it's extremely powerful. And all of us and your listeners today are all connected by fashion because we purchase and we vote with our dollars what we're looking to buy and what that means. And that also equals that as citizens and consumers, we have a lot of power in how we want to decide where we want to place that and what that looks like. Now, the fashion industry globally is a $2.4 trillion fashion industry, and it employs more than 300 million people across the whole value chain. When people hear that, they think, wow, it's doing so good. That's fantastic. And it's a big employer. But the problem is, of the 75 million garment workers, for example, 80% of these workers are women between the ages of 18 and 35, and they are earning less than $3 per day. So we need to get into the nitty-gritty to understand that it's an extremely large sector. And all the negative it's doing right now, by looking at more sustainable practices, it could be a leader in us having a better workforce and a better planet and society. Also fashion, I think it's approximately 35% of all microplastics released into the world's oceans are from synthetic textiles. And that's unacceptable. And that's when we then look at fashion accounts for about 10% of global carbon emissions and nearly 20% of wastewater. And that's mind-blowing when you think of it for outfits, where the industry is doing this to people and nature for clothes. And so that's why we're so dedicated at the Fashion Impact Fund, to make sure that we're supporting so many of the women that are leading initiatives to drive that change, because it benefits all of us. This is not just a sector issue.
0: I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about some of the leaders that you are supporting and the work they're doing. Can you give us a couple examples of great success stories?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So out of some of our grant programs um, is the African Academy of Fashion. And the work that they're doing, it's actually in a mother-daughter duo, which I think is always interesting to see what people are leading. And they're based excuse me, in um, South Africa. And it's actually established by a fashion brand called One of Each. And what they do at the African Academy of Fashion, as I would mentioned, it's led by a mother daughter duo. Their names are Pauline and Tambourine. And their whole focus is workforce development. And so the program that they run is all about boosting employment of women, whilst also revigorating artisanal craft and helping the manufacturing industry in Africa. And so with this, they are training women in a program on how to construct garments and accessories. And then through that, over this program that we funded, it then helps them to acquire skills to then increase their employment prospects, no matter where that might be. And so it's about using hands-on training and practical skills, as well as techniques and knowledge from the industry to help them grow. Their business. Another initiative that we have running is fashion stories. And we actually do that in partnership with Runa Ray, who is a fashion designer and environmentalist. And this comes under our media um, pillar and we're running this with Ruckus Avenue Radio and the whole goal there is how we can highlight the voices of notable and progressive women that are making a difference in sustainable fashion and definitely doing this so through the ethos of social environmental justice amongst the South Asian community because the South Asian community has such a tie to the fashion industry so much is going on and so much of that region has been leaned on so what we look to do is really amplify the voices of women and their leadership. One of our flagships programs, which I'll come to now, that we run is the Conscious Fashion Campaign that I mentioned earlier. And the Conscious Fashion Campaign, we run that in collaboration with the United Nations Office of Partnerships and the Public Foundation. And the whole goal of the campaign is to spotlight women entrepreneurs that are advancing industry change on digital billboards. And the reason that we're very focused on this is that the Global Media Monitoring Project, they shared that only 25% of news sources are women. We really wanted to disrupt that. We want to amplify the visibility and we want to increase media representation of women, especially those that are advancing fashion towards a more responsible future. And I'm wondering
0: also, how are you funded? This is kind of a recurring theme here on our show, everybody using their wits and creativity to attain funding. How did you do that?
1: So for us, it's ongoing. We are supported by a lot of fantastic um, industry organizations. So anywhere from Lensing through to Arch and Hook, Avery Dennison, the Lycra Company, Blue Sign, Artistic Milliners. These are all names as well that maybe, um, you know, consumers and citizens listening wouldn't be familiar with. But these are People are extremely powerful and driving incredible change in the fashion industry. They are very business focused and that's where we look with our funders.
0: You mentioned Artistic Milliners. That, that made my ears perk up. Is this a company working on sustainable textiles maybe?
1: Yes, very close to that. They're actually a denim manufacturer. Mm. And um, and I love like that, that 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 intrigues you, that intrigues your creativity. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's what they do. Um, But they're very focused on sustainable denim. Mm, fantastic.
0: So we probably have about five minutes left. And I'm hoping you can talk a little bit about the future and plans that you have. What's What's coming down the line for the Fashion Impact Fund?
1: So for us, we just want to be able to continue to accelerate and amplify. We want to ensure that we are working with fantastic donors and funders to be able to redistribute the finances to where they need to go to help these women continue to lead these fantastic solutions that they have so that they can clean our waters, clean our air and make sure that people in the fashion industry are being cared for. That is a huge focus for us, as well as with our in-house programs, we want to expand that and make sure as we continue on everything we do, we just continue to go from strength to strength. We sit in extremely strange times right now in America where it's rebellious to speak out and courageous to speak out about wanting to see women achieve and what that could look like today. And your partners,
0: I was really impressed with the work that the UN is doing. Can you talk
1: a little bit about how you're partnering with the UN? Yes. So we work very closely with the United Nations Office for Partnerships, where what our goal there is we are committed to the Sustainable Development Goals. And the Sustainable Development Goals is a blueprint to achieve a better and more sustainable future for all. And it was actually adopted by the United Nations member states in 2015, where it looks at the global challenges we're all facing from poverty, inequality, climate change and peace. And so our work with the United Nations Office for Partnerships is how we can really accelerate the work and the engagement of the fashion industry to align with the Sustainable Development Goals agenda so that we can achieve good as the sector.
0: I mean, this is all very theoretical, listening to it. What's happening, you know, kind of up close and personal within the fashion sector? Are there other people from around the globe that you are working with to help us all attain these sustainability goals.
1: Yes, and I think, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, I think you fall down this rabbit hole and you start researching what's going on. Some fantastic organizations um, for your listeners to also look at is Remake, Fashion Revolution, Textile Exchange. There's all these, and an app actually is called Good On You, and they're all trying to come together with research and statistics and data so that they can guide business organizations, leaders, and citizens on how to do better, better with fashion.
0: And then back to the the future question, how will your organization change over time? I mean, what do you see happening and coming down the pike for you?
1: So, I would like to see for this as we continue to grow, basically, we're able to just make sure more money is being moved and distributed in the right places to female founders that are driving change. That is our whole focus, and we just want to see it go further and wider and more. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, and how might folks find you, Carrie? We have a website, fashionimpactfund.org. Also, we're very active on Instagram at fashionimpactfund. As a consumer, what's the best way for me to participate? So for us, we're extremely business-focused. But the call-out I would say if there was anything on how you could participate with us is Just think about um, how you want to purchase, what does that look like, and who do you want to support, and fall in love with your clothes, love what you already have, mend, do good, and make sure that if you do end up having to purchase, that you purchase with purpose. That is what the Fashion Impact Fund looks for people to do when it's more consumer focused.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, the power of the consumer, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think people forget that. Yes. And thank you so much, Carrie, for being on Heartstock. Thank you so much for having me. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and Daniel Hogan is in the studio. As usual, we shall be back next week. Until then, peace. But on the other side.
1: Hardstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org.